0: I'd like to invite everyone to turn with me in your Bibles to uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 17. We'll be reading from uh, verses 20 through 24 today. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me And I am in you. May they also be in us. So that the world may believe. That you have sent me. I have given them the glory. That you gave me. That they may be one. As we are one. In them. Excuse me. I in them. And you in me. May they be brought. To complete unity. To let the world know. That you sent me. And have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. And to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. At this time, Pastor Stan will bring us God's message. The good news about heaven.
1: Well, this is part of our series about the gospel, the good news, about our various doctrines. And this is the last in the year that we're going to be talking about that. And the good news is about heaven. You know, this idea of heaven is a very popular concept. In 72 and also again in 82, the Roper Center for Public Opinion asked Americans, do you believe there is life after death? 70% said yes. In 02, the poll by the University of Chicago asked the same question, it had gone up to 72, saying yes, 17 no, and 11 were undecided. Gallup discovered that a vast majority believe in life after death will be in heaven. In 1997, 72% believed in heaven. Look what happened by 2004. 81%. It's growing. It's not going backwards. It's growing. People believe in heaven. In spite of increasing secularization... Americans I have to read it up here remain convinced in the existence of God. Can you see that? Is that off the screen? I don't know if we can move that tree or not. You can hear me all right. Uh, can that be moved this way at all? Albert's gone. Ninety uh, percent God. 81 percent believe in heaven. It goes down to 78 for angels. The devil doesn't get as good a time, nor hell. Heaven is popular. Perhaps no other religious topic captures the popular imagination quite like heaven. Philip Brooks, a 19th century clergyman, stated heaven would be filled with active, tireless, earnest work. Well, people don't think about heaven that way today. They think of heaven as being kind of a heavenly Disney world. (laughs) Or Hawaii or something like that. That's what their view of heaven is today. A vision of what it means to be perfectly happy and fulfilled in the concepts of people's minds today. Here are some of the books that have come out in recent years about heaven. One by Gary Scott Smith, Heaven is the American Imagination. Uh, recently published, America, uh, Heaven in the American Imagination. What he has done, he went back through and, and chased the thoughts that have been written down and published about heaven over the past several hundred years of American history and he sees that there's been a uh, kind of a migration of opinion about what people are thinking heaven is going to be like. Interesting book. It's out on the market today. And then Joni Erickson Tata. Do any of you remember this gal? Oh, yeah, you're all old too. Uh, bestseller talks about what heaven will be like, what we'll do, and what we will see. She knows how heaven will be uh, the satisfaction of all our hearts to cry for and something more real than anything this side of eternity. She's written actually two books on heaven. That's showing how popular it is. And she has won the gold medal, Lifetime Achievement Award, 48 books. Joni Erickson is actually quite ill at this time. Uh, Heaven creates excitement. 3% of Americans believe in near-death experiences. you know what I'm talking about, a near-death experience? When you're just about at the point of death or maybe... (coughs) you hear that, isn't that wonderful? All of a sudden you have some kind of an out-of-body experience. Uh, That happened to a young boy, Colton Burpo of Nebraska, while he was in surgery at four years of age. He looked down while he was in surgery upon the doctors, upon his dad praying for him in the waiting room. He had no idea where his dad was at. And yet he remembers seeing his dad when he came back, when the doctors thought he was dead. came back. Reports he was taken to heaven uh, where he met his miscarried sister and his great-grandfather who died 30 years before he was born. He described a horse that only Jesus could ride. That sounds like a kid's picture of heaven, right? Anyway, in 2004, Kevin... Malarkey and his six-year-old son, Alex, suffered a horrific car accident. The impact from the crash paralyzed Alex, leaving him in a coma. Two months later, he awoke with an incredible story to share of angels who took him through the gates of heaven itself and of meeting and talking to Jesus. If you see uh, Alex today, he has been the youngest recipient of, um, what was the Superman? What was that guy, the Superman. Christopher Reeves procedures the, the research that Christopher Reeves had in, uh, initiated he's the youngest recipient which is basically electronic means that teach the body how to breathe on its own without the brain helping interesting a Baptist preacher don piper records what happened to him during 90 minutes after his car accident killed him and his book is entitled 90 minutes in heaven and he goes around the country and talks about that. And so heaven is exciting. It's always been exciting for a lot of people. The most recent and the most exciting uh, on, on the story of heaven came from an, actually a neurosurgeon, Dr. Eben Alexander, who was declared brain dead. In November 10, 2008, neurosurgeon Dr. Alexander, just 54 at the time, he was the son of a, of a neurosurgeon, and he was also a Harvard professor and professor at other schools. This is a scientist. He does brain studies, and he does brain research. He awoke with a severe case of bacterial E. coli meningitis that began eating his brain, leaving his entire cerebral cortex shut down. It was followed by seven days in a coma. He was told by his doctors that he had only a 2% survival, no chance for recovery. The synapses, the spaces between the neurons of the brain that support the electrical activity that make the brain function, were not simply compromised during his experience, they were stopped, he says. Only isolated pockets of deep cortical neurons were still sputtering, but no broad networks capable of generating anything like what we call consciousness. His doctors told him that according to all the brain tests they were doing, there was no way that any of the functions, including vision, hearing, emotion, memory, language, logic, could possibly have been intact. In the morning of the seventh day, his doctors weighed whether to discontinue treatment when suddenly his eyes popped open. This amazing story. Neurosurgeon himself experiencing some of this stuff that we've talked about. Well, here's what happened. Those seven days opened to him a world that he had never considered. He knew, because he was a Christian, but only superficially so, um, <clears throat> he knew about heaven, but he never gave it much thought. And during his coma, he seemed to be in a vague, foggy, murky, hideous underground place, absent of any memory of self, family, or anything. Then the spinning white light welcomed him into another dimension by a woman who led him on... Uh, on wings of a giant butterfly into a world of inexplicable beauty. She said, you are loved, deeply cherished forever. There is nothing you have to fear. You will always be loved and there's nothing that you can do wrong. Hmm. Wow. He visited heaven and met God. And now he's going around the world making quite a splash with a book called Proof of Heaven that he's written. Before this experience, his belief in God was passive, and now it's become dynamic. Transformed with a new sense of faith, wonder, and purpose, he desires to share with people what he had seen beyond the body and beyond the earth. And his article, or his story, was published in the recent Newsweek, Heaven is Real. And so this just adds to what I'm talking about. There's a tremendous interest in heaven and what it's all about. I want to ask you some things. Have you heard stories like these? Some of you have heard stories like this? Yeah. Supernatural experiences do happen to people. They do happen. They create a huge interest in heaven. Right? But they also have the potential of switching our focus on the supernatural rather than upon Scripture. Grave danger there. Very grave danger there. But supernatural things do happen. Supernatural things can happen in a genuine way, to a lot of people as well. But there is this danger. Today, uh, let's limit our discussion, however, to simply about heaven. Since Eden was lost, mankind has longed to return to its home. The Bible tells us that Abraham looked for a what? Whose builder and maker was... So there has been this hunger in the soul. We've all felt it. We believe that there is this place out there that we're going to be unbelievably happy, fulfilled, and, and interested in. Life is going to be f- most interesting there. Exciting, if you please. Isaiah was told in vision, Behold, I created new heavens and a new earth. It was Isaiah that first heard that. and then Later on, John picks that up as well in the book of Revelation. A place so spectacular, so satisfying, we couldn't, uh, we couldn't bring to, he couldn't bring to remembrance anything earlier. We can't bring to remembrance anything earlier because of how splendid it is. Everything previously is wiped away because of the glories of heaven. John saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven. First earth had passed away and there was sea no more. New refers to things that had not previously existed. Paul uses the same word when he talks about conversion, just to give you an idea of what we're talking about. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Is the old still there? It died. Talks about dying. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. John actually says God makes all things new. Puts the word all in there. So heaven is a wonderful place where it is entirely different and, and startling, if you please, to anything that we have ever seen. Now, a new Jerusalem. 12,000 furlongs square. You've heard about that description in Revelation? About how big Jerusalem is going to be? I read in a, one of the books that I was reading this past week about how big that really is. And according to the calculations that these guys did, they, they compared those dimensions with dimensions of cities and populations within cities today and they say, you could get 14 times the population of the earth today in that city. I don't know how they figured that out. But they do it based upon the population figures today. 14 times. My goodness. That's big. We receive a new name. What does the name represent? It's who we are. It's a definition. People were named based upon some event or something in their life. But in this case, the name is going to be about the character, the unique thing that God has always been desiring to have come out of us. And we receive that name. And so it's the beginning of an understanding of who we really are and to be able to fulfill the potential of who we are. And then we sing a new song. Do you remember I I told you the story about in that little tribe in Africa where when the lady gets in her mind, you've heard the story, uh, the guy that writes, Can, can Wright, who writes the chicken soup for the soul type of things, you know. You've seen those books. And about how the woman, when she gets an idea, she's going to have a, a, a child. Before she's ever pregnant, she starts singing a song. And it's a song that's been composed in her heart about this child. Then she teaches it to the, the man that is going to be the father. And they both sing it together. You know, and then pretty soon, they, the village is singing it. They sing it when the child is born. They sing it all through that child's life. And when the child is dead, they sing that song again. It's kind of like the song of that child. You know, can you imagine how special that is? Wow, I'd like to have a song like that about me. At least I think I would be. Yeah. Well, you know, and so God gives us a brand new song. The biblical idea of heaven, almost all of the hundreds of occurrences of the word heaven in the Bible are from the Hebrew word, Shamayim, And they mean heights, or in the Greek, orinos, which means that which is raised up. The primary meaning is that which is above. So heaven is this concept of up. It's up above us. It's up. What's down below? Not heaven. <laughs> you know, all right. He is, the, is called in the Bible El Elion, the Most High God. God above all, um, God of all power, completely sufficient, greater than all our needs. He has no limitations like we have limitations. So the idea of heaven conveys all of those thoughts. And The Bible picks up those ideas. Isaiah 57, uh, Isaiah says, A message from the high and towering God who lives in eternity, whose name is holy. I live in the high and holy places. And God wants to take us to those high and holy places. Think about it. Let your imagination go with that thought. And think about what it would be like when Jesus takes you to those high and holy places. What would you see? What would you know? What would you experience by that? I think suddenly things would become a lot clearer to me. I always am someone who likes to get the big picture. That's what you'd get there. You know, and you'd understand things about yourself that you can't see when you're right in your body, but when Jesus takes you there, you can begin to see it. How wonderful. Um, I live in the high and holy places, but also with the low spirited, the spirit crushed. And what I do is put a new spirit in them and get them up and on their feet again. It's from the Message Bible. Jesus was called Son of the Most High and John the Baptist was the prophet of the Most High and the Psalms are full of petitions and praise to the Most High and they're all focusing basically this idea about heaven. God is up there in heaven. James 1, every good and every perfect gift comes from where? And that's, that's in a nutshell what we think of heaven as being all about. That everything Good is waiting for us there. And God is going to give it to us. Amen. amen. How many said amen? Amen. amen? amen. That's absolutely fantastic. Jacob awoke from his dream at Bethel, declaring, there is none other, This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. He understood for the first time how close heaven and earth was. And that he was connected. And that's what God wants to communicate to us through this concept of heaven. Solomon asked, Will God in very deed dwell on earth? Behold heaven and earth and the heavens cannot contain thee. How much less this house that I have builded. But God did come into that house. Didn't he? And it changed the lives of the people that witnessed that. What an amazing thing. I, I was here in this very church. And I told you about it I think several times was in this baptismal tank, and God came into this building. And he just took over this this whole building. And I'll never forget that. All of my life. And you know what happened? Everything changed. Everything changed. The realities that we had lived by changed when God just simply came into this building. God, who is all-powerful and all-great in heaven, he says, came down into Solomon's temple. He came down into this church years ago. So eager is God to dwell with men that when Jesus witnessed how people were being blocked from dwelling with him in his temple, the vendors, what did he do? He exploded twice. You only see that story about Christ twice because the temple was supposed to be like heaven. The church is supposed to be like heaven. Family is supposed to be like heaven all of the resources, all of the blessings. Yahweh actually came and resided in Moses' tabernacle in Solomon's temple and he does it again. Uh, when the, con- uh, the conflict, when sin, when sin is over, he comes into it. Did, did that make any sense to you? He comes again and dwells with us after the conflict of sin is over. Let us make me a sanctuary that I may what? Uh, The name of the city from that day shall be, these are Ezekiel's closing words, Jehovah is there. Wherever Jehovah is at, that is heaven. And when heaven is there, you've got all the resources that you could ever want because Jehovah is there. You come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God. The verbal form of the noun is dwell, portraying God who dwells with his people. The Word became flesh and did what? Dwelt among us. And the whole world was changed. You didn't see an ordinary human person. You saw Jesus who was filled with God, who was filled with heaven. Amazing. Jesus' high priestly prayer requested his Father, I desire that they also, with whom thou hast given me, will be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. So heaven is within. What Jesus does in heaven... are are through his tabernacle and temple, he also does in his church. His spiritual house. Our bodies are what? Temple. And where the Holy Spirit dwells, his chosen tabernacle. And so heaven is where our heart is. The Dalai Lama said, heaven is not the goal, but the best place to further develop godliness. Do you like that? However... But God meant that the two to be the same. Here you have some definitions and just secular definitions about heaven. Delightful, beautiful, divine, angelic, boundlessness, bliss, afterlife. Well, they've kind of caught it, haven't they? As an adverb or adjective, it may mean radiant, spiritual, pure in heart, unearthly, angelic. The Oxford English Dictionary defines it as excellence, beauty, delight, This is why we want to go there. Well, because of Jesus being there too, God being there. It's what we're all created for. Heaven literally became a synonym for God. That's what it became in history and in the Bible. Isaiah's heaven. And so because it's a synonym for God, look at this. God said to them, I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work. For as the sky soars high above earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work and the way I think is beyond the way you think just as rain and snow descend from the skies and don't go back until they've watered the earth doing their work of making things grow and blossom producing seeds for farmers and food for the hungry so will the words that come out of my mouth not come back empty handed and we believe that in heaven when God says something it happens it just happens They will do the work that I sent them to do. They'll complete the assignment that I gave them. So you'll go out in joy and you'll be led into a whole and complete life. That's what heaven is all about. It's it's the place. This is the preparation. But heaven is the place where we'll realize all that God has wanted us to experience. Become godlike in so many ways. All the trees of the forest will join the procession exuberant with applause. <laughs> and yet heaven is a conundrum. And um, I'll pull some of this together, but I'm just throwing out ideas now. Eugene Peterson, the author of the Message Bible, he wrote, No one's ever seen or heard anything like this. Never so much as imagined anything quite like it, what God had arranged for those who love him. He's talking about heaven. You can't imagine it. It's beyond it. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, is the way he put it, peering through a mist. He's quoting 1 Corinthians 13. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright, and we'll see it all then. See it as clearly as God sees us, knowing Him directly, just as He knows us. So we can't fully realize heaven until we're there, Right? There we'll build and we'll live in our homes and eat what we've planted. What does that tell us? You know, I'm never really sure of my home. I'm working like crazy to pay the thing off so I could retire and afford to stay in that house and live there. I don't want to move that library. And I certainly don't want to move all of Carol's crafts and stuff like that. Oh, my. I'm not young enough to do that anymore. You know. But I'm never sure. But in heaven, we are always sure. We come in our prayer sessions and we talk. And our prayer sessions always reflect the fact that we are not sure. But in heaven, we can be sure. That's an amazing transformation. That's what God wants in heaven. We will plant and we will eat what we on our own hands have done. The wolf and the lamb feed together. And the lion eats straw like the bullock. Nothing hurts nor destroys. in all of heaven... So the prophet Isaiah said, he had some amazing viewpoints of heaven, didn't he? Views into heaven. Well, I can't imagine that. We have all lived in a world where you never know if the person you're looking at, the next person you're looking at, is going to sometime come back at you and hurt you. You never know. And it causes people to not give their hearts totally to one another because you just don't know. But in heaven, we don't have that problem. We need to think about that. And then we'll love heaven all the more. The lame man will leap as a heart. The dumb will sing. You know, just imagine that. I mean, I've got a ton of things that I can't do. And they're getting longer the older I get. (laughs) You know? And there's some things I don't want to do anymore. But in heaven we'll be able to do everything. Instead of the thorn, a a fir tree. Instead of a briar, a myrtle tree. The things that we do will turn out better than we can imagine. We think it's going to turn out bad, but it's always going to turn out good. Can you imagine living in a place where everything turns out good? Beyond your farthest imagination. That's what heaven is. And that's what God has planned to be ours. To be ours. And we need to remember that. Now I want to talk about that. What other things will be different in heaven? That's right. No crying. No crying. I won't have to go to work every morning. That's another one. You you may want to go and go out and do, you know, how would you like to pick a flower? My wife likes flowers, and so she goes and picks flowers out of the garden, sticks them in the kitchen, and then they're right there in the window and you can look out past the flower to the beautiful park that's behind our house, you know. And then in a few days the flowers are ugh, Yeah. And you, know, and, and, and you can't find a rose that has fragrance anymore. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Anyways. There's a lot of things. Let your imagined imagination take hold upon things unseen, is what Ellen White says. And that's an advice to us. And I'm going to tell you why that's important in just a second. Let your imagination picture the home of the saved. She saw the wisdom and passed it on to the church saying, think about things that are impossible. Think about heaven. You know, Christians are people that are always living in the impossible. And it's real. And she wants us to do that. Why is this important? We need to keep ever before us this vision of things unseen. This is Ellen White talking about. And she's talking about the future glory in heaven. It is thus that we shall be able, and this is why she says it's important to do it, we shall be able to set a right value on the things of eternity. Keep it before you and you will be able to understand how important eternity is and the things of time. It is that that will give us power to influence others for the higher life. If we can't visualize, if we can't imagine, if we can't conceptualize a better world, how are we ever going to be able to convince others. So it's in our imagination and thinking about these things. Really important. Interesting point she makes in Child Guidance. It is impossible for us even to make an effort to understand these things. That's, remember, the Bible says, how can you possibly understand them? God is so far beyond us. But, even to make an effort to understand these things without an effort affecting our whole character for good and having an uplifting influence On our minds. She says this will do good for us. To think about heaven. And what is awaiting us there. I like that. And then the Bible. Well again Ellen White is quoting this. But she quotes 1 Corinthians 2.9. It's beyond our imagination. Anything that we've ever heard. Ellen White says. Only by the spiritual vision. Only God can give you the ability to do this. Can we discern heavenly things. Our human powers will be extinguished by the inexpressible glory of the angels of light. If any ordinary human being saw what John saw in the book of Revelation, they're done for. But John had spiritual preparation to be able to see it. And God wants his people to know. He's always wanted them to know. We must behold it by faith now, not with natural eyes. Oh, here's what you were mentioning Uh, The former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. I am making everything new, he said. Everything. And here are things that are not present. Know what? Tears or sorrow. Think about that. Think about what that's going to feel like. Think about what that's going to mean to you. Let that fill your imaginations. Let it touch your emotions. Think about that. No pain, the Bible says. These are things that are going to be out of our life experience entirely. We will forget all about this entirely. No pain. I'm sure glad with my bed that doesn't give me back pains now. But that's so simple. No pain. No night. No curses. No death. Look at all those things that are taken away in heaven. And Jesus has provided us with all of those things. What would it mean to have all of those things to hold forever, to have forever? What would that do? And you know, a wonderful thing to do with children, little children, is to talk about it with children and see what comes out of their mouths. You know, and they will have a whole new idea about what heaven is all about. Repeatedly, John is told to write these things down because he says... They're accurate. They're dependable. Now, things that are gone, that are destroyed forever by fire, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Sin is going to be destroyed. Sin. What does sin do? It's ruined our lives. It has separated us, not only from God, but from other individuals as well. And we live in this isolation and vacuum and sometimes in this animosity towards each other. It's ruined our lives in a lot of different ways. What else is gone? The devil and his angels. Think about what that's going to be like. No longer the devil and his angels. They have molded so much of this world. They have controlled so many people. What's it going to be like not having that around anymore? My goodness. Because of the devil and his angels, our lives have been limited to now three score and ten. Something like that. They're gone. Lifespan goes forever. Everything that has ruined our planet is gone. Think about what that would be. Think about heaven. See if you don't think that's good news. So what's the good news? about heaven. What it's is it? Me. What? It's for me. It's yours and you can experience and feel it and enjoy it and it means something special just to you, right? right. Now, go home and write a whole page about how special that's going to be just for you. Okay. I think that's really what we need to do. So what's the good news about heaven? Joy of having Jesus there all the time. Oh my. Can you imagine, you know, when I have Uh, When I go home and uh, my Natalie, my oldest grandchild, comes and she sits in my lap. Something precious when you consider she's 12. They don't do that at 12, do they? But she loves me. And because Natalie sits in my my lap, and we've had so much history together, and we're bonded really close, you know, I feel such wonderful feelings, you know, about this girl who I will do anything for forever for that girl and to know that Jesus feels the same way about me. My if I if he if he catches a thought going by my brain of something I'd like to do he would make it happen just like I would make it happen for Natalie. What would that mean? What about our prayers? Boom 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 they're all answered just like that. Just amazing. Be no loneliness in heaven. No loneliness. Oh my. The walls that separate us will be gone. We'll feel the freedom to interact and talk with people. Think about what you're going to do. So you have a house maybe in the new earth and your neighbor's over here. You're going to put a fence up? No. Just to keep their dogs out? What's it going to be like? And, you know, and so you'll put a seat in the ground and you're going to be standing over it with a hoe to chop the head of the gopher off. Gopher will put up his head and says, I'll dig the row for you. I don't know. Use your imagination. You know? You know, and you know, I've never thought of of riding a dolphin. But I think, I don't know where God's going to make this happen, but if he gets the idea I want to do that, I think I'm going to be riding a dolphin. I mean, nothing could happen to me, could it? Pretty exciting. What else blows up your, in your mind when you think about the good news about heaven? All the different places will automatically be. I mean, not just the earth, but all the... Oh. Oh, there is no limit in space. Everywhere you could go. And so you can talk to maybe beings on other planets, you know, and hear their stories, and they hear your story. Woo! Wow, big story time. Right? Okay. Are you going to have the courage to put your arms around Jesus and give him a hug? (laughs) Oh, will you let go? (laughs) And you know what? Jesus is looking forward to that. He wants that. And he wants to look into your eyes. And I think he's going to cry too. You know? Well, these are good tears. You know, not sorrow. It's joy. It's the joy. And of course, you know, because... Our lives will be so transparent and so together. The good news of heaven is extremely good news. It touches us in so many ways. You talked about traveling around and and seeing other individuals. You know, we've read about all these characters. And last night in our Bible study, which we have uh, every Friday night over at Willits, we were reading the book of Samuel and we were talking about David. We are talking about, you know, I think my wife wants to talk to David. And I think maybe she's going to get an answer to a question she's always had. Why in the world was he called a man after the Lord's own heart? All the bad things that guy did. And I think she will want to go up, and imagine how rewarding this will be, to go up and talk to David. And David to talk to my wife, who lived after David some 3,000 years. That's going to be just as interesting for David. David. But the two of them can talk about that. And they're going to learn and they're going to grow and become more Christ-like. Every time we talk, something like that's going to happen. Is heaven good news? Should we think about it? Should we consider what it's going to mean? Should our children have this concept and this understanding of heaven, how actually splendid it's going to be? I think so. Probably that's not being spoken of enough You know, and and, and thinking about that and thinking about heaven and what that's going to be like, you know what that does? Just as Ellen White says, it does something to our brain. It changes our brain. It helps us to be more understanding of what God is all about and what he's trying to do. Now, when we think about this, I think it helps to put us in perspective of what's happening uh, in some of the dangerous areas of that sometimes this whole thing about these after-death experiences, you know, where people come back and they tell the stories, and, you know, some of them, you know, maybe what they really did see and what they thought, we don't know. We just simply don't always know whether they're from God or whether they're from another source because isn't that just enough? The devil would do a thing like that. Would he do a thing like that? He would do a terrible thing like that. You know, and, 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 and I think... I think that what we need, to, we need to realize is that when you think about heaven in the right way, it's a different reaction than the people that, have it, that were tricked by the devil. But obviously you can see why the devil would want to do it because of all the things we said about heaven. It has such an amazing power and of course he would like to use that to trick people and to actually threaten their ever receiving heaven because they can go down following him rather than following Christ. So imagine heaven. And think of the good news about heaven. And if you'd like, have a special little memory book that you'd put somewhere special. And every once in a while, you get a thought, jot something in there about what heaven is, going to, why it's going to be so special to you. And watch and see if just doing that is not going to change the kind of person you are. Because that's the way God works. Thank you for going on this journey with me through the various doctrines of the church on trying to find what's the good news. We've done a great job in our church in explaining the truths, but discovering the good news is what I really wanted to do. And hopefully you have learned a little bit more about where some of the good news may be at as you look at the various doctrines and can bring those things out. Not just prove something is true, but prove what's so beautiful and what's so wonderful and what's so good about it. And I think if we can say it that way, not only prove it, but say it that way, It'll have all the more power in people's lives. Thank you for this time together. Thank you, Lord, for this Sabbath and all everyone here. We are excited just to think about heaven. And we're going to do a lot more of it. Remember our prayer requests. Thank you for doing so many wonderful things. Thank you for holding us together when it seems like everything is breaking us apart. Thank you for the young people in our congregation, for this town, for giving us a vision, continuing to open up our hearts to see what you want us to do in this town. Bless us during this holiday season. May we have special family times and special times that we can remember and share with each other, even maybe some of these things that we've just talked about, how we feel about heaven
0: and what we're looking forward to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.